1: it took jason whitlock to say it as it usually does uh, when you're looking for a common sense approach to race in america in case you didn't know whitlock is black he used to be a sports guy on espn and fox sports he's a former college football player but he's gone beyond that he's He's one of the smartest commentators on cable news or the Internet, for that matter. He writes for Blaze Media, does a podcast, does some stuff for Blaze TV. But the headline of his piece goes like this, quote, You should scrap Juneteenth, a.k.a. George Floyd Day, for a holiday commemorating America's 1865 rebirth. And then he goes on to write, quote, "Um, I suspect most people don't fully comprehend or get Juneteenth, it's a national holiday because of the death of George Floyd, not because our political leaders had a sincere interest in celebrating the emancipation of slaves in Texas or across the South, unquote. He says the, uh, the, the Juneteenth connection to the George Floyd riots undermines the holiday's ability to unify Americans, and there was a certain amount of forced celebration in the air over the weekend, Uh, Lots of people didn't even know that it was a holiday today, and people who did know about it, they just didn't seem to be all that into it, Uh, and and at least uh, it it seemed that way. So it seemed to be about white guilt and not really about the celebration of the emancipation of the slaves. Whitlock says that on April 9, 1865, the Civil War ended, and that's the day that should be celebrated by everybody, black and white. He says the year 1865 is as important to American history as 1776. And I think he can make a really good case for that because he says it was, quote, America reborn, reimagined, and resurrected from the dead. That's Jason Whitlock. Just making way too much sense again. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about our, uh, or talk to our unofficial Texas correspondent about some of the things going on down there, including. One of their senators being booed and heckled for compromising with the Democrats on gun control. And also interesting stuff on abortion down there. Lots of stuff happening in Texas. And in our second half hour, the guy who introduced vouchers for college students in Pennsylvania, in part to reduce funding to Pitt because of that fetal research going on over there. Uh, We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. In 2008, I wrote the book, The Dumbest Generation. This
0: is Mark Bauerlein. My first book chronicled the millennials who spent time staring at screens with extravagant hopes of a high-tech future. They were confident, optimistic, ambitious. Technology
2: was to make millennials the smartest generation. In truth, it robbed them of faith, patriotism, history, art, literature, civics. The mentors didn't give them beauty and truth and greatness. Instead, millennials have looked for answers in utopian dreams of perfect
3: justice and universal happiness that will only disappoint them. At age 30, they go for cancel culture. My new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults,
0: lays out the wreckage and shows how to rescue the next generation. If you'd like to learn more about my work, listen to my podcast at First Things Magazine, www.firstthings.com, www.firstthings.com. From best-selling author Mark Bauerlein, get the essential new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, available wherever
2: books are sold.
4: Balance of Nature is changing the world one life at a time. What does that mean? It means we are actively working to give people more fruits and veggies to help each person in our world be healthier. One of the things we do is create personal experiences with each of our customers. We know living a healthy life is more than eating a healthy diet and exercising regularly. And that's why Balance of Nature works with customers to help them eat healthier, exercise in a healthy way, and take care of their overall well-being. We help each person set individual goals and take the right steps to achieve them. We understand that changing the world happens by giving people the tools they need to help themselves. Go to balanceofnature.com to see for yourself how Balance of Nature can help you live your best life. At Bounce of Nature, changing the world one life at a time isn't just a motto. It's our purpose. Go to balanceofnature.com and get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code
5: balance. This view was worth a hike. Right?
2: And it's a good way to stay on top of my health.
5: Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk.
4: Coligard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease, and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer.
5: Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber
3: if Coligard is right for you, or visit coligard.com.
6: I'm in. Your spouse has said your marriage is over, and they're ready to walk out the door. So where does that leave you?
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Bean, founder of Marriage Helper. We've helped thousands of couples in this exact situation. We want to share with you the things you can do right now to start turning this crisis
6: around. If you're somebody who's lying in bed sobbing yourself to sleep because your husband has left you or walked out on you or your wife has left you and you think, oh, well, this is it now, it's not it. There is hope.
0: We're going to teach you the three things you need to start doing immediately to get your spouse back. If your marriage is in crisis, you're not going to want to miss this special Save My Marriage event happening on LoveStories.com.
6: Visit LoveStories.com for the free Save My Marriage mini-course happening right now on LoveStories.com. That's LoveStories.com.
0: This is the John stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
1: Well, lots of news coming out of Texas. As usual, Senator John Cornyn was booed loudly at an event over the weekend because he's been working with Democrats on gun control legislation. Of course, the border's still a mess down there. There's a lot of focus on Texas abortion laws with Roe v. Wade possibly on the way to being overturned uh, as, soon as, this, as soon as this week. Matt Macobiak is the director of the Travis County Republican Party and uh he's uh, that's in Austin and he's a columnist and pundit and kind of our official Texas correspondent. He joins us now. Matt, thanks for coming on.
3: Hey, John, great to be with you again. As usual.
1: Uh I mean, it's great to have you on. I don't <laughs> mean you think it's great to, you know what I mean. Uh but uh, uh before we go, I want to I want to go over your, your Pittsburgh connection again because we've had we haven't had you on for a while and you you uh I know you're a Pittsburgh sports fan. What's your connection with Pittsburgh, just so people know?
3: Yeah, both my parents are from Pittsburgh. Um, my, my dad's from Whitehall, Baldwin area. My mother's from Pleasant Hills. They went to Iowa High School. My dad went to Baldwin. Mom went to TJ. Both, both their parents are Pittsburgh, too. So we, we're about as ginger as, as, as it gets. Unfortunately, I've never lived in Pittsburgh, but yeah. i spent, you spent know, 60 or 80 nights there in my life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, in your, and you're you're a Pittsburgh sports fan. I know that. I see. You oh, on Twitter. Huge, huge Steelers, huge
3: Penguins. Uh, you know, kind of gave up on the Pirates. The, yeah. The uh, salary lack of salary cap in baseball makes it impossible, and you have a terrible ownership group there. Yeah. But uh, so but yeah, de- de- definitely an intense uh, Steelers and Pens fan for how, sure.
1: How does that go over in Dallas? Being a Steelers fan, that's going to be. And you're and yeah, you're, and you're yeah, in I politics often, because that's a you know yeah. that's a that's an interesting combination.
3: Yeah, I mean most Texans are are fans of either Dallas or Houston. If you don't live in Dallas or Houston, um, you know generally you could be a fan of almost anybody. Um, and okay. you know I, I've never really liked Jerry Jones the way he does things as an owner and GM. So I've just never really been a, a Cowboys fan. Um, so it's it's not really that big of a problem. We have so many people moving to Texas from other places that yeah. never really cared to before.
1: Okay, so, uh, again, we're talking to Matt Makoviak. He uh, is uh, he's the, um, I want to say director, that's the wrong word. It's the chairman Chairman, yeah. chairman of the yeah. Travis County Republican Party. Um, let's start with uh, uh, Cornyn and uh, gun control. Did he under, underestimate how badly his support for red flag laws and other Democrat ideas were going to go over? Or did he, or did he just think it was time to compromise?
3: Uh, maybe Both. You know, look, I I, I, I kind of sympathize with the goal of what he's trying to achieve. I, I don't I don't want a red flag law nationally. I certainly trust uh, the intelligence agencies, law enforcement, current the current uh, regime uh, to do that in an honest and fair way. Uh, in this case, it's important that you understand exactly what he what they're what they're considering. Um, this creates financial incentives for states to adopt red flag laws. Texas is never going to do that. Texas will will be the forty seventh or forty eighth state to have a red flag law. Okay, so the risk to Texans is very low as it relates to that. Um, you have, I think, 18 or 19, mostly blue states have, that, have, that have taken this up. Um, and there are some states that have, I think, what's, what's known as an emergency, or excuse me, a crisis intervention order, which is in some way different. Look, at the end of the day, all that matters is whether you have due process in there or not. You don't want someone to have, uh, to, 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 have to sort of prove that they can exercise a constitutional right. Um, Right, constitutional rights are are fundamental. Um, But, you know, if someone becomes dangerous, becomes threatening, becomes violent, um, you know, we don't want people like that, you know, waving guns around and taking them into crowded places. That's how bad things can happen. What's important to understand what Cornyn's doing here, John, is he's preventing this bill from being far, 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 far worse. Um, You're not seeing the increase in the age for the purchase of these kinds of guns for 18 to 21. You're not seeing them require uh, a nationwide gun registry which is what quote unquote closing the gun show is really about uh you know you know no no NRA member in the history of the organization has ever committed a mass murder uh, no one who's ever bought a gun without a background check at a guns uh, at a gun uh, uh gun event uh at a gun show um has ever committed a mass murder um you know the what, what, what this gets to though i think is is the challenge of what do you do with someone who may not have ever done anything violent, who then becomes violent, right? Um, And one of the more interesting ideas in this uh, compromise is they're going to open up juvenile records for review. And I think that is important because if you had, you know, psychological problems when you were 16, 17, 18 in your late high school years, and those get sealed, when you become an adult, you turn 18 or turn 19, you go buy a, a significant weapon and you go use it. Um, those records may have have prevented you from being able to to, to access that weapon to begin with. So um, this is a compromise. I think you're going to have somewhere between 10 and 20 Senate Republicans vote for it. I understand the base doesn't trust, uh, you know, anything on, on, on gun reform. I do understand that. Uh, There's tremendous pressure, uh, uh, you know, to do something that would make a difference and prevent, you know, these incidents. We've now had them occur uh, in several places in Texas, Sutherland Springs, uh, uvalde uh we had the el paso shooting uh we've had several of these just in the last five years and each of these is unique um and they're not all the same and you, you, there's no silver bullet to, to uh to prevent all of them right but we, we do want to try to make them much 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 less frequent and that's what is trying to do look he's a lifetime a rating from the nra he's not a squish on guns he never has been um, he improved the background check system with the Fix nix bill that he did with I think it was Chris Murphy a few years ago, where there were significant uh, data sharing issues in the in the background check system. Uh, but again, the base uh, doesn't doesn't trust any kind of compromise on these issues, and that's what that's what that response was all about uh, at the convention.
1: Yeah, and and um, it's interesting because um, it, you know you would think. That if there's ever going to be uh, compromise, it would be after what happened in Uvalde. But um, I, 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 think what what I what I'm getting from way up here in Pennsylvania is that um, it's you know it it the, nobody trusts the Democrats on anything, much less gun control. But it's if if you get ten Republicans, then it becomes um, uh, filibuster proof, and yeah. that's that's a problem uh and and then and people I, I you can water it down, but it it's a it's, it's a foot in the door, I think is what people are concerned about, and it 's a just step step down the wrong road,
3: yeah, and look my my guess, John, based on the outlines of the deal that has been discussed because we don 't have bill text yet, looks like they 're not going to be able to pass it this week until july fourth recess uh and of course, it has to go through the house and it could get amended there, all kinds of variables and hurdles still. But my guess is what's what the Dems are going to try to do is they're going to try to basically hold, you know, pull, pull this uh, uh, bipartisan compromise through. You're going to have significant opposition among House Republicans. Uh, but you may have you know, a decent number in the House to vote for. I think most of Dems will vote for it in the House. I think it'll pass with probably two thirds of the majorities in both both houses. Now, what the Dems are going to do, I think, is they're going to try to use executive orders to uh, to to limit the purchase of ammunition. And of course, that's going to go to the courts. Well, first of all, it's going to create a massive uh, you know, buying opportunity for, for ammunition. I mean, as you know, John, I'm in yeah. Western PA and certainly parts of Texas. It's hard to find ammunition today as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on back order. So, so that, 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 I think, is what, 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 you know, what, what, where this may be headed. But a lot of what they want to do is really impractical, right? Like it, it, just if you look at raising the age from 18 to 21, whether you like that idea or not, the Ninth Circuit, the most overturned left-wing circuit, uh, the courts of appeals in the country has already ruled that that's unconstitutional. Um, you know, if you close, let's say they let's say they quote unquote close the gun show loophole. Um, you know, to do that, you have to register all guns because the only kinds of sales at gun shows that are not don't require a background check is when a private seller, uh, an individual basically, a non federally licensed dealer, uh, you know, sells a gun to someone else. So if you want to give a gun to a family member, you want to uh, pass it down as an inheritance or give it as a gift. You'd have to register all of them. And, and I think a lot of people are concerned that the government, if it were to register all guns, that would be the first step to confiscation, mm-hmm. right? So you've got something like one and a half or two million dollar AR, uh, AR-14s uh, uh, across the country. You've got something like 300 million guns in the United States. I mean, you're never, you're never going to, to, to basically make the United States look like Australia or some other country that doesn't have a fundamental constitutional right like the Second Amendment. The question is, you know, can can we um, can we do something about these mass shootings that are occurring? I don't understand, John, why they're not making schools um, impenetrable the way airports are, the way federal courthouses are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: No, it seems like a no brainer. The other thing is that uh, and this is a tough thing to to say with to someone who's in Texas where, uh, you know, you had the shooting there just a few weeks ago. uh, Those shootings are are extremely rare. Uh, even though you know, every time that happens, it doesn't seem like it's rare, and you know nobody whose kid is uh, uh, wounded or killed in one of those wants to hear about how rare it is. But right. um, it's it, it's the emotion that comes with each one of these events that uh, you have to actually watch that you don't uh, go overboard in in the reacting to it because it's an emotional reaction instead of one that makes common sense. And as you said. Some of these things that they're they're suggesting they not only don't make any sense or common sense, but they're not constitutional.
3: Yeah, and and you know the, I'll, I'll give the Dems credit for one thing: they're very good at taking emotional crises and trying to apply uh, you know the reaction to achieve what they've wanted to achieve from the beginning. It's not like they're it's not like this is a new a new idea now of nowhere. They're saying, "Look, you've already happened. We got to make sure it never happens again." Let's 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 make sure we get serious about, about gun reform. And these are ideas that they've tried to pass for a long time that they believe in. Um, uh, you know, they, they don't mind private security for democratic congressional leaders and for rich people in wealthy areas. They don't mind guns there. They just don't want anyone else to have guns. So, but look, this is why we elect people to high office, particularly to federal office, right? Um, this is why the house and the Senate were constitutionally structured in a different way with the Senate being a cooling saucer, the house being sort of the, you know, tyranny of the majority and the, the Senate being the tyranny of the minority. Um, um and look, well, if, if, Don, I, I would, I would put this way. If, if, if a bipartisan piece of reform legislation can get two thirds of the house and Senate in this divided political environment we're in, it's probably not a bad thing. Um, and on a big issue like gun reform, and this isn't just about gun reform, this is about mental health There's significant funding for mental health in there, uh, improving background checks. There's a number of other, you know, important things that are in there. Uh, further. And, you know, this Uvalde situation just keeps getting worse. The more that we learn, we now learned that they didn't even try to open the door uh, to to, to the, to the classroom while he was in there. I mean, that's just astounding. Um, uh, You know, we learned that the uh, uh, the person on site was was waiting on the master key was using it on, on different doors first. I mean, just, just, you know, an hour, hour and a half passing needlessly. We we learned that uh, a local police officer had a shot at the gunman after he entered the school before he killed anyone but didn't take the shot because he's was afraid of, of hitting someone else. Um, so, really, it was just a kind of a tragic combination of of errors. Uh, and if you just look at, um, you know, he'd been making threatening statements. He'd been firing weapons and killing animals. He'd been threatening other people as a juvenile. That, and that's the issue here, right? He's so doing that when he's 16 and 17, and then he turns 18. His records get sealed on his 18th birthday. He goes and buys a gun. He's got no record, right? So, yeah. so that, that provision in and of itself... Um, would prevent, you know, a, a carbon copy of this. Uh, but, but as we know, each one of these sh- uh, of these mass shootings is is quite literally a snowflake. They're all a unique events that has very unique characteristics and unique circumstances, and that's why it's so hard to fashion uh, unique legislation that would, you know, kind of be a catch all for for these kinds of uh, incidents.
1: What's the um, What's the feeling down there in Texas? Uh about the the school shooting now, and uh, the, what is the discussion about out on the street? People you talk to, um, is it yeah. is it about gun control or is it about strengthening the schools, as you just mentioned?
3: Yeah, I think that breaks on party lines. You know, like it does across the country. Yeah. Um, I think most Texans, you know, feel like we that, that something should be done. That it would be callous to do absolutely nothing legislatively. But I can tell you, you know, Second Amendment rights are fundamental in Texas, just like they are in Western PA. Um, and, and and effete urban liberals don't understand that. You know, they think gun culture is, you know, a white trash thing or something like that. It yeah. really is self-defense. It really is uh, a cultural thing that, that's passed down through the generations. Um, and, and so the more that they kind of belittle it and, and, and almost intentionally misunderstand what it is and what it's about, um, the more that cultural divide I think widens, so look down here i mean i 'll tell you one thing i mean if, if I were a superintendent in a school any school district in texas if i if I had that position right now, I would make those schools the most secure buildings in america i just i can 't imagine not you know you, you have a single or, or maybe two points of entry, you have magnettros at those entrances um, you know there are so many just simple things you could do. Um, and, and so, you know, I hope we see that. I think you'll see Texas, uh, at the state level, take that arm with the legislative session in January and perhaps even before then. I mean, the governor's already asked, uh, the education agency at the state level to do a security assessment of every single individual school in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so we're going to see which schools are prepared, which ones aren't, and they want to have them all prepared before school starts. And that's the other thing here. I mean, we got, you know, two months till school starts. Uh, and that's true in Texas, and it's true around the country. And parents, I'm sure, are wanting to know their schools secure.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm guessing that the the percentage of of uh, people who own guns in Texas is among the highest in the country. Uh, and so, yeah, and if if um, there's a pretty good chance that uh, a good percentage of the teachers now working already own firearms and know how to use them. So uh, that would be a state where you would think that letting the teachers have guns would actually be a, a good thing because they have guns anyway.
3: Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, the challenge there becomes training, and yeah. um, it also becomes, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, we do have teachers unions in Texas. They're not as powerful as they are in some states in the Northeast, uh, but I imagine teachers unions are not going to respond you know, favorably to that. Right. And I don't know that we want to get into a place where, you know, parents who are comfortable with teachers being armed are in some type of battle with parents who are not comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, I don't know that the answer is necessarily teachers, although if a gunman's not sure a, a teacher has a gun, in some ways that's almost as good as the teacher actually having the yeah. gun, right? Deterrent, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's absolutely deterrent, and, and that is one of the other issues here is that these schools are gun-free gun zones, uh, and so they really are soft targets, and that's all the more reason why you have to harden the building itself. Um, you don't want to create a prison. You don't want to, you know, make it feel scary to, to students. But I'll tell you, making them feel, uh, you know, feel a certain way is one thing. Uh, making them actually uh, at risk of a mass shooting with really no ability to prevent it is obviously far worse.
1: I only have a minute left with Matt Makoviak. He's the chairman of the Travis County Republican Party down in Texas. Uh, I, real quick, and I hate this, probably unfair, but... Uh, the Texas uh, new abortion law. What's been the effect of it, and what's going to happen if if uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned this week down in Texas?
3: Yeah, we're, so number number one, we, we have basically the heartbeat law uh, in effect, uh, and it's been it's kind of with, uh, it's upheld uh, all the challenges, legal challenges so far. Basically, the Planned Parenthood facilities in Texas are shut down. Um, yeah, you know, I haven't you know individually checked each one, but I mean it's virtually impossible to get an abortion certainly after around six weeks. Um, and so there's a really limited window from a time a woman knows she's pregnant to when, you know, she could actually still do it legally. Uh, there's been some reporting that uh, some of these abortion claims are popping up across the border in Mexico. And so people may be doing that in individual circumstances, Texas has a legislature passed, um, a prohibition on abortion. Once, uh, a versus Wade is overturned, it becomes a state issue. So it'll be, it'll be outlawed in Texas and, and look, I mean, blue states will, will, will you know, California will do one thing and Texas will do another. And, and if that issue is, is central to your, you know, to who you are and what you believe and what's important to you, then you can decide where you want to live. Uh, I think some people, particularly, you know, some women across the country make this issue sort of central to their own identity mm-hmm. uh, when, when really it's a pretty small percentage of people that ever are in a position to, to ever even want or need to consider something like abortion. So... Um, you know, John, I think the bigger question is what's the political impact if the court uh, you know, goes through with the Alito ruling, uh, Alito opinion. Uh, I'm not convinced it's going to be a, a, a significant factor in the midterms either way. I think it's 10 or 15 percent of the elector on both sides that get really motivated and fired up. I think uh, people in the middle are not going to vote on that. They're going to vote on kitchen table issues, on inflation and gas prices and border and just their own kind of economic uh, hope uh, and their own economic circumstance. I think that's going to be far more important than whether Roe vs. Wade becomes a state decision, which is what it was before Roe v.ersus Wade was decided in 1973.
1: Hey Matt, I'm out of time. I really appreciate, as always, uh, you coming on. I hope to do it again soon. Thank you. Take care, buddy. See ya. Okay, Matt McCovey. We'll be right back.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Israel's coalition government agrees to dissolve and hold new elections this year.
1: Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's office announced Monday that his weakened coalition will be disbanded and the country will head to new elections. The elections, expected in October or November, would be Israel's fifth in three years. The election could also set the stage for a return to power by longtime Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is now the opposition leader.
0: Correspondent Bernie Bennett with our report. President Biden says he's considering a federal holiday on the gasoline tax. That could possibly save Americans as much as 18.4 cents a gallon. The president indicated to reporters that his decision could come by the end of the week. Gas prices nationwide averaging just under $5 a gallon, according to AAA. Taxes on gasoline and diesel fuel help pay for highways. This is SRN News.
2: First, we decide where we want to go.
1: Summer is almost here, and the open road awakes. This is John Stoggerwald, and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade in value in seconds at PitCycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pit Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at PitCycles.com.
2: Pit
0: Dennis Prager is ever watchful of language. Now we have the added issue of being gender neutral at schools in England, so girls are not allowed to wear skirts. The same crowd that tells us a woman can do what she wants with her own body, right? Tell them what they what they can wear. Every day is, is a left-wing onslaught on language. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer.
5: Those are us. you tried the rest, now try the
1: Right now, get zero interest financing for twelve months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at Windows Arrest Pittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. Windowsrust Pittsburgh.com. Windows
2: There's a few volume
5: delays. Parkway West inbound, Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Looks like about an extra five minutes. Improving on the Parkway East. Only minor delay outbound, Bait Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Outbound 28 looking a lot better, but a slightly slow between Route 8 and Delafield Avenue. There's an accident North Shore,
4: Federal Street at North Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, The Answer weather patchy clouds expected for tonight with a low of 59 mostly sunny tomorrow tomorrow's high 90 mainly clear and warm tomorrow night with a low of 70 variable cloud it is for wednesday with a couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm mainly later in the day it'll be warm and humid those storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds we'll see a high wednesday of 87 with your accu weather forecast i'm forecaster drew shannon the john Steigerwall show am 1250 the answer
1: Well, you've heard about vouchers as a way of uh, giving families some choices of where they want to send their young kids to school, up to high school. But how about vouchers for college students? It's House Bill 2639 in Pennsylvania, and it was introduced by Eric Nelson, who represents District 57 in Westmoreland County, and he joins us now. Eric, thanks for coming on.
5: Oh, as always, it's great to be here, John. Thanks for what you're doing. Hey, so where is the bill right now? (laughs) Well, the bill right now is sitting in committee. It's been introduced, and it was directed to the Education Committee, slated for a vote last week, and then pulled off as we come into some pretty heated budget negotiations this week and possibly into next.
1: Yeah, so this is all tied in with the budget because it's money for for colleges. So how, how would... What you proposed
5: work, if it passed tomorrow, what would we have? Well, and and you really said it well when you said it's about money. Mm-hmm. It's about crazy money. It's about $600 million. You know, right now, in Pennsylvania, we spend just under $2 billion taxpayer dollars every year to go to, like, higher education, and more than one of every four of those dollars goes to the big three with no report and no idea how that money is spent. It, it really is one of the, the biggest surprises that I came across as a legislator when you start to learn about the budget. So much money with no report on how it's spent, just to the big three.
1: And that would be Pitt, Penn State, and Temple?
5: Yes, yes. And and again, I'm not anti-university. I have two kids that are going to Penn State, but I'm pro-Pennsylvania family. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, in a nutshell, this would mean free community college for every Pennsylvanian without raising taxes. And not everybody may want to go to community college. It's an $8,000 annual grant to any family earning under a hundred thousand a year that they could use anywhere. So you could apply that to Pitt, Penn State, or Temple, or you could apply it to a technical school, your community college, or you know, let's say Apache school I graduated from IUP, mm-hmm. eight thousand dollars, that goes a long way. It's it's really about putting families first versus putting three universities.
1: So it would it would be okay to use it for a, a private school, uh, a Catholic school like Duquesne or Villanova or any place, anything like that. So.
5: Absolutely, is because those are taxpayer funds. So any Pennsylvania taxpayer family or individual in Pennsylvania could apply their voucher using an existing system called FIA, and FIA is higher education, you know, agency, and they help. Students, you know, all through the state already pay and process their dollars for school. So, what we would be doing right now, this money is dark money. It, there's no report and no one really knows what happens to this $600 million. And so, FIA is a transparent, you know, entity that's independent and We would taxpayers would know where their money is going, and it would actually go to individuals to apply to a St. Vincent, to a CMU, or to a University of Pittsburgh.
1: Makes way too much sense. Um, So it's a it's like um, this is something similar to what has been proposed, and it actually has worked in some places already. Vouchers for for um, high school kids to do the same thing or grade school, Um, and the the big the big opponent is the uh, local or national teachers union who's opposed to this aside from the three schools themselves who might see some uh easy money go away
5: (laughs) well that's a that is a great question because here in pennsylvania families don't have lobbyists but universities do and those lobbyists are extremely well positioned, and the universities themselves have created boards that are layered thick with influential individuals, you know. So the universities, which I don't, you know, and again, I don't begrudge the University of Pittsburgh, if I was getting $158 million with no strings attached, I would want to keep getting that. I think anybody would. But the question says... You know, shouldn't the families of the people who are paying the taxes receive that money?
1: Well, in effect, you know? I'm, I, <clears throat> I am paying for kids to go to Temple right now as a, as a resident of Pennsylvania. But I'm I'm not paying for kids to go to Villanova or to Duquesne, right? I'm not yes. being forced to pay for them. But but so um, the, those the three big ones, the three big guys, as you uh, refer to them. Um, why should everybody in Pennsylvania help subsidize kids who go there but uh, not be able to take that money themselves and send their kid to IUP or Edinburgh or uh, Duquesne or wherever? Yeah, I mean, and, it's, it's, It just seems like a, a well, no-brainer may, to me.
5: What makes it worse is that we've seen how the big three have managed their costs. You know, they're the Temple's second, Pitt's sixth, Penn State is ninth, most expensive public universities in the nation. That's not – those aren't my numbers. That's U.S. News and World Report. You know, So by taking $600 million and trying to invest it in an appropriate way so that we keep costs down, what we've done – is actually achieved the opposite. We have some of the most expensive schools in the nation and the citizens don't even know where the money is going, you know. So it is I mean definitely, you know, they're coming they're coming after myself, they're coming after other members, mailers, billboards, mm-hmm. media. Yeah, I saw
1: a, I saw a mailer that, or a, a, some kind of a brochure that's out. Uh, Saying that uh, you guys are trying to take money away from parents who are trying to send their kids to college, but they don't point out that you're only talking about three the three biggies.
5: Hey, there's even some whispers of reps that may that be supportive of funding families. You know, having consequences on other legislation. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's they're you know they're playing for keeps, and um, but we're playing for families. You know, and we're playing for Mm choice and. Whether it's a technical school or community college, you know, uh, a CMU or a, a Seton Hill, those students should be able to share equally in taxpayer funding for higher education, and and that really is the goal. and And right now, I think we have the votes, particularly with Pitt, to be able to make a difference.
1: Yeah, you you said uh, specifically Pitt. Um... Are you singling out Pitt in this uh, because of Pitt's involvement in fetal uh, tissue research? Uh, not you personally, but is the, is this law singling out Pitt?
5: Well, Pitt is, a, you know, they definitely are a, a nationwide leader in abortion research. You know, mm-hmm. I think they this coming year they have they've received or they will receive $500 million in NIH funding to conduct some of the research that they're doing. Um, But that's not necessarily why, that's not my prime driver. I think responsibly, we need to create a very clear firewall between Pennsylvania dollars and federal abortion dollars. So even if the PA voucher failed, but we insti- we sent Pitt's money to FIA and gave it directly to Pitt's students. I think the state of Pennsylvania needs to get out of this very sticky, dark money situation where no one really knows. You know, they Pitt has given assurances that they don't use it for abortion research and they're getting crazy money from the federal government. You know, so yeah. um But would it be more responsible, even if the money stayed at the University of Pittsburgh based off of their power, to send it through FIA to the students so that the state of Pennsylvania has no involvement in the 32,000 abortions that happen in Pennsylvania every year?
1: Yeah, so this could be a case of kind of a sneaky way to
5: have taxpayers
1: funding abortion,
5: isn't it? Well, if you're paying for a building, what happens within that building, like, because no one knows, that's where I think a lot of people get upset. Regardless over the decision of abortion or non-abortion or abortion-related research or not, there is the responsibility of how we spend, send, or invest taxpayer dollars. And it, and it is murky for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, Pitt has claimed all along that there's nothing unethical about their fetal research. Are you buying any of that?
5: Well, any time when of those 32,000 abortions, 14,000 of them are black or African-American, I I question the ethics. You know, I, I question the ethics when 90 percent of the abortions in Pennsylvania come from eight counties. You know, What's what is happening, and where are they driving and pulling these, you know, young lives? I mean, it's it is there's there's the issue of abortion, there's the very different issue of abortion research, and then there's the question of who babies are being aborted, and you know, to me you could look at a variety of fronts and have a lot of concerns. And, you know, that's why I'm ai am a pro-life person. I'm a pro-life voter. Um, it's shocking that, you know, the 14,000 black or African-American individuals are aborted annually, and no one wants to mention that, you know. Um, and in any life, regardless of race, is wrong. But when we have such a almost half of a certain given population point which is really a much smaller overall statewide population i mean just just the fact that that we only have 90% of these abortions occur in eight counties i mean it's almost chilling to imagine that regardless of a person's choice leaving that clinic knowing that you've ended the life and then moving forward with, you know, the luggage that you carry for that day when you go back to your community and having that focus only in Allegheny, Chester, Philadelphia, Delaware counties, like, wow, you know, to me, I know maybe that's a little bit more of an emotion argument, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as we get back into the call it voucher program, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help people, and we would help 40,000 more Pennsylvania students if we gave the money to the learners versus the institutions. And to me, why wouldn't we want to do that? Regardless of where your stand on abortion is, if, if taxpayer dollars are to help young people learn, shouldn't we try to help 40,000 more students without raising taxes? Is you know, any, but,
1: we're, we're talking to um, uh, Eric Nelson. He represents District 57 in Westmoreland County. Is it any more complicated than just why, should, why do Pitt, Penn State, and Temple deserve any more money than any other schools? I mean, they're bigger, so there's, they have bigger expenses. But from a per-student standpoint, why, why should they get more money than any other school?
5: Exactly. I mean, it's interesting because those universities say that they claim they fight for equal rights and they want equality for all, and they'll protest just about everything under the sun. But when it comes down to it, they are getting theirs. Five hundred one greater than one of every four dollars spent in higher education goes to those three schools without a report. I mean, it's, it's staggering. No one in Harrisburg knows how well, they spend the money.
1: That's kind of an indictment of the people in Harrisburg, isn't it? How, how does that happen, that the, the, the people's money, uh, the, that amount of money is spent and nobody knows what it's being spent upon?
5: Well, when, when these schools started the funding, lobbyists stood at the back of the rail of the house, smoke cigars and could call a legislator back you know this was these schools created a system 60 years ago that is just not tolerable in today's pennsylvania you know pennsylvania taxpayers they want to know where their money is spent and even if we disagree over how the money is spent Everyone should understand where it goes, you know, so I think what we have is a clash between Pennsylvania's families of today and Pennsylvania's politicians of the past. And the time has come to end dark money going to three universities.
1: And um, who could be against individual students being given the money to spend as they choose as opposed to having money taken from people, confiscated in taxes, and then doled out? Why? Just give it to everybody. Let them
5: decide. Well, you have me smiling because I don't want to necessarily, as as you ask, the who could be against, John? Yeah, well, it is, yeah, right. um, for, for some folks, um, it is, there's a there's a lot of power and there's a lot of consequence. There's well, I know that,
1: excuse me for interrupting because I only have one minute left, but I know that the schools themselves are opposed to it, but as I said a few minutes ago, I get the union, the the union, uh, the teachers' unions being against it because it's about they think it's about jobs and money for them, uh, and they're not paying attention to the needs of the students. But this is this is um, what what's the purpose of what would what, what would be the reason for opposing uh, other than the interest for the three schools themselves? What would be the interest in opposing people getting money to spend as they please?
5: I think there's a system in a way of doing business that have happened here in Harrisburg for a long time, decades, you know, and that system at times is slow to change, Mm -hmm. and you know, so we're we're looking to drive. There's there is a there's a lot of support, and I've really been struck, you know, your listeners as they reach out to both me and their state reps, saying, "Look, do what's right, do what's transparent, let." The family decide, you know, Um, and it's an opportunity for the big three to actually recruit more students if they wanted, because we're talking a level playing field, but also a community college, may get more or even an IUP or a Waynesburg or a a, a CMU. $8,000 in my world is a lot of money when it comes to college, you know, and it's... And I know you're up against the hard stop, but imagine if you're an 11th grader thinking of dropping out of school. Yeah. These chronically undereducated kids, they're not going to those universities, but they could go to a technical school. They could go to an auto repair place.
1: I'm up against the hard breaks. I have no choice here. i got to go, but I really appreciate you coming on. We'll talk again about this. Eric Nelson, thanks for being on the
5: show. As always, great to be here. Thanks a lot, John. We'll be back.
6: Hi, friends. This is Katie Pavlich from townhall.com. The liberal media and big tech are working overtime to promote the left's anti-American agenda to silence me and the reporters on our team at Town Hall. We must bring the truth to the American people free from the spin of big media and the censorship of big tech companies. Town Hall covers the news that matters, exposing the COVID lies, the leftist rot and crime surge in our cities, the illegal alien crisis at our southern border, and all of Joe Biden's unconstitutional overreach, including the critical race theory attacks on our children and grandchildren by school boards working with the Department of Justice. Visit townhall.com each morning, afternoon, and night for the truth as my team investigates the Biden administration, their big media friends, and leftist activists. With your support, we can keep holding government bureaucrats and their allies in the media accountable. Visit townhall.com today to join the fight. The fight for our nation starts with townhall.com.
4: Rob tried to manage his constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating day after day. After realizing it was irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, he found another way and finally said yes to adding Linzess.
2: Linzess, or linacletide, is a prescription medicine that treats IVSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two years old. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzs.com or call one 800 LINZESS. Sponsored by and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Stikerwalt Show
0: on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
1: Well, uh, we're finished for today. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting stuff there from Eric Nelson, and I'm glad we got him on Um and uh, I think a lot of that began with the fetal research at Pitt, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions about that. And as far as I'm aware, still quite a bit of, um, quite a lack of interest in it from the local media in that story. And uh, even uh, with all due respect to Eric, who's a Republican, I don't know if the Republicans are doing enough about that. I'm assuming that whatever they're doing there, it's still going on now, whatever they've been doing. And uh, don't see anybody doing much about it. So uh, I'm going to keep on that story, but I just don't <clears throat> i don't get the impression that there's a lot of interest in it, and I think that's kind of a shame. So uh, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. We will be back tomorrow, same time, uh, most of this same station. And uh, thanks to Mike, thanks to you, and talk to you tomorrow.
0: The John Staggerwalt Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.